to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. And I'm Liz. And it's, it's, it's been a month, man. It's been crazy. Life has been crazy, right? Uh, it, yeah, it's been absolutely manic these last few weeks. I know. And I, I, I feel like we, we only did the last episode like a very short time ago when it was over a month ago now. I know. Like, yeah, almost a month. It's been a while. But yeah, February always goes so fast though because it's such a short month. It is. It is. It's it's crazy. But you'll be very happy to know, Liz, that I finally, finally finished watching Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Yay! <laughs> I mean, it's only taken about three months. <laughs> yeah, so it came out. What Did it come out in, like, September? Is that Because I know it in came September, out. September, October, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so almost, like, five months, you know. So, so it's just five months to watch eight episodes. <laughs> so this is how I'm going to rationalize that. Because I waited so long to watch it, we haven't been able to talk about it. But now that it's been out for four, five, six months, we can talk about it. And I won't feel super guilty about any spoilers we might give because we've given the world plenty of time to watch it. So I just did everyone okay, a favor. So you're, sa- you're saving all the listeners from, from spoilers. Okay. Exactly. So, uh, now, <laughs> so now it should be okay if we talk about it. All right. So... Go and I and I don't know if I kind of procrastinated watching it because I was really concerned that they linked the two books together, that they linked Six of Crows and Shadow and Bone together, and I don't I don't think I went into it with a really happy opinion about that. Um, yeah, but uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I would much have preferred two separate books, two separate um, TV series, like one season being Shadow and Bone, and the next one being Six of Crows. But I think they did it well. I think I think that it worked the way that they interspersed. It did work. Obviously, any Creatureverse fan is is going to have issues with it because it's not really sticking to the book. Absolutely. But I mean, the casting was just fantastic. Oh, I loved the casting. My favorite by far is Jasper. I think that he oh is per- God, portraying Jasper the best. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, like, you know, I really, I really did like how they tried to, um, weave together the two storylines from the two mm. separate series. Um, and, you know, because it's like, you know, Six of Crows, it, it's very clear that, you know, Kaz and his little group do these little things, um, and they're, you know, the Crow Club and Pekka Rollins. And so I really enjoyed the fact that they still had that animosity and that, that issue with Pekka Rollins. It was just that they kind of changed what Kaz's like little mission was. Um, yeah, I mean, because we've spoken about this before, the two series are very different because you've got the kind of the more magical, mystical Russian world of Shadow and Bone, and then you've got this dark, dingy underworld of of um, of uh, Six Crows. So it, yeah, I think it. They did it really well how they managed to intersperse it without losing too much of the of the themes mm-hmm. because we still had both elements kind of at different times. Um, and, of course, I mean, the Darkling was just superb. Oh, yeah. He, ben Barnes is, whew. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely a great cast there. Uh, and, you know, and then what I, you know, knowing that it had already been renewed for season two, 
kind of going into it going, okay, so where are they going to take season two? Um, you know, mm. the whole time I was trying to, trying to finish watching it, you know, cause I didn't know how this, how season one was going to end. Um, and, and I, oh, yeah, of course they, they ended it at the end of Shed and Bone, didn't they? Um, well, <laughs> but see, she's already gotten the, the mag, like the, the, like amplifier. And I feel like in the yeah. series, in the three book series, she didn't get the amplifier until like book three. Um, yeah. And so I feel like they, they cut a lot. Cut, they cut a lot out. Obviously they have mm-hmm. to. So I know that yeah. there's, there's still going to be that, that, plot line with um with her because she, you know the folds is still there the darkling still exists like yeah. you know there's there's that so it's gonna be line. more six of crows kind of leaning on the six of crows storyline more because i think so we're getting nikolai yeah nikolai. we're gonna get nikolai and and, and oh the God, series God. ended like that ep- that last episode ended with matthias getting arrested so i'm hoping that season two will include that whole uh, like you know breaking him out of you know um the, the prison where they're you know where they have to yeah. go in and you know um and so like and we also haven't really heard a lot about the the jurda which is really what kind of leads into um yeah of course it was mentioned like very briefly wasn't it yeah like, it wasn't it's was, like underlying kind of discussion but yeah no that would be really interesting um and of course we also have uh some other new characters coming into season two um did you have a look at the casting for the next season i haven't who do we got oh you need nikolai is um they're not ones that we particularly know but uh, if you actually look up the the actor who plays nikolai he is pretty good looking and he has an irish accent which is my weakness yeah. So yeah, no, it, yeah, he looks really good. Um, and I'm bringing it up as we speak because I can't remember who else we've had announced. And we've also had um, the son was also announced. The son of oh, what's his name? Um, uh, the one beginning Wyland. Wyland. Oh, Wyland. Yeah, Wyland's been announced. He looks really good. So it really does um, seem that moving forward, there's gonna there's gonna be a lot more. I I I'm predicting a lot more emphasis on some of the Six of Crows storylines because I just I think that there was just so much more like drama and adventure there. Um, I mean, not that Shadow and Bone doesn't. I mean. Because obviously we still have to get rid of the fold. We still have to get rid of the darkling. Like they're still chasing oh, yeah. her and are We've after got, her. Yeah. And um, there's still so We've much. Still got a long way to go. Yeah. And it's it's <laughs> and it's yeah and it's almost weird to think how they're going to bring the two paths back together when the series one or season one ended with them really, you know, Lena and Mal went off on one ray and then. Kaz and his group went off the other way and you know of course the darkling comes stumbling on his own but um (laughs) (laughs) so i'm really excited about season two i am glad i finally got through season one um so i i i I am interested though because you know i like the casting again i wasn't too hip on them blending the two stories together but it's working and as long as we get to see things like you know the jailbreak and you know some of those 
those exciting those big kind of, scenes. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm a big fan of like but, heist movies, and I see that almost as like this really detailed, yeah. thorough, thought out like heist because they're well, they're stealing Matthias, but. Yeah, Jasper was one of the best characters. Oh yeah, I loved him. He he just had it pinned down just perfectly. Yeah, I thought that was so well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's how it's gonna um kind of progress from here. And yeah, keep an eye on Lee, Lee Body goes um Instagram because she often posts a lot of videos about season two. Hmm. Good to know. Good to know. All right. Um. So I don't know over there. In England and on the other side of the Atlantic, maybe you guys are smarter people than we are on this side of the Atlantic. Um, has has censorship and book banning been a big thing over there lately? Not really. I mean, I've been reading about some of the censorship over over your end. It's just, it's awful. It. <laughs> I completely disagree with any like with any censorship. Look, I get there are some books that certain age groups shouldn't read. Like for example. When I have kids, I wouldn't let them read Stephen King till they're about 13 because that would completely like destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I was little, my mom wrote, read us our, our childhood story hour, like story, bedtime story, whatever, family story time. She would read us Stephen King. And I remember being like seven or eight. So I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm so screwed up. Go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I haven't really heard of any, any book banning over here, um, recently. It's been quite, quite quiet on that front. But yeah, I mean, one of them I saw is all over, all over the news the last few weeks with you guys is Mouse. Yes. Which is like, okay, it's got Nazis in it, but do you guys not study Nazis in history? <laughs> right. Yeah, right? And of course we do. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, we teach like even like all throughout elementary school, you know, when the classes are like, you know, when you're when you're young and the classes are just kind of like all integrated and and whatever, you know, kids begin to learn about, you know, the the different wars and, you know, yeah. all of those things. And then in high school because I I work at a high school, so we have like the last 4 years of school schooling before kids can graduate and go on to college, um, we break down our classes much more specifically. So the kids have a year of world history. They have a year of American U.S. history. And in both of those classes, we talk about World War II. But then we took we look at our like our, our English classes, like our, our literature classes, um, our like you know our our literature and composition classes. Our kids have to take all four years, and we teach different units. And a huge unit that has been taught in every single school I've taught high school is Night, which you know is a, like a Holocaust book, and Mouse. And the reason Mouse has become so popular to teach like in the schools I've taught in is because it's a graphic novel and yeah, I kids that works really well with the kids. Yeah. The kids connect to it. The kids understand it and it's, it's mice. It's, it's a graphic novel of mice and <laughs> reading some of the reasons why these, you know, Tennessee wants to, wants to ban it is because there's like eight profanity, like eight words of profanity. I'm sorry. Mm. If you spent one day in a school with 14 to 18 year olds and you're worried, yeah, 
and you're worried about four <laughs> curse words in a book, we'll be taking you to the hospital because a five-minute passing period from one class to the next, I'm in the hallways. I hear them, and there's some points like you, like I, like I can't constantly tell kids, but there'll be there's sometimes they'll say things that I'm like, oh my god, you guys, my ears are bleeding. Like <laughs> eight curse words. These kids are on YouTube. These kids are talking to each other. Like, exactly. believe me, people who are banning. Seriously. Yeah, and I think one of the other reasons was that there was um that was cited was that there was like a naked mouse. Liz, can I ask you a question? Have you seen any mice in life that have clothes on? Like real mice that wear clothes? Can't think of any at all, funny enough. Yeah, like, you know, thankfully I don't have mice invading my house, but I'm pretty sure if I saw a mouse out on the street, it's not going to have clothes on. Like, really? It just, it flabbergasts me that a hand, like, I'm talking about like a handful, like less than five people, want to make a decision of what you can and can't read. Like, I want to make that choice for myself. And as a parent, like, I have two teenagers. I have a teenager in the school that I work at, you know, where I was just talking about the language that they use between classmates. My kids know Angel. I know my kid cusses with his friends. He's smart enough not to do it in front of me, but I know he's doing it with his friends because that's as sad as as it is. And as much as we don't want to like say it is, it's the culture of that generation. Like it just is. And I will tell my kids what they can and can't read. But I'm not going to tell, I would never tell you and your kids what they couldn't, could, can and can't read. Exactly. Like, it just, oh, it just infuriates me so much. I mean, like, if you look back at all the different books that have been banned or attempted to be banned back in back in the day, even you get down to Harry Potter, mm-hmm. the Vatican tried to ban Harry Potter because it was seemed to be like glorifying Satan and whole magical world, wasn't it? Yeah, like, like witchcraft. Like, okay, it's exactly. fiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think censorship is just in literature. You can't censor literature because that means that you're basically taking away somebody's creative voice. Yeah. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. If it upsets you, don't read it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it just... So every every year, the American Library Association puts out their uh, most banned book list of the year, which is sad okay. that they do this every year because there's enough um, complaints and censorship and, 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 cha- and challenging of books that happens every year that they can compile this list. And, uh, and it's very interesting. So if you ever want to kind of like, you know, see – the opinions of the people in the United States on what they want to censor and who's wanting to censor it. The ALA.org website, the, so the American Library Association has a whole plethora of, of articles and information about it. And they even like go back and they're like the top banned and challenged books of the different decades. Um, so you can see, and it's, it's really crazy. And I've always felt very passionate about this. Like when I was in the classroom teaching English, like literature and um, composition, I did a whole unit on book banning. 
And looking yeah. back, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't call, get called to like down to like the principal's office and was like reprimanded. I even had on one day somebody from our district office come in. He was just visiting the school and he came in and he sat and I'm like, oh crap. But it was back in a year where a picture book, a children's picture book, was the number one most challenged book of the year. And it was And Tango Makes Three. It was based on a true story from the New York City Bronx Zoo um, about two penguins who, um, so, like, I guess they were empire penguins because I guess, you know, they lay an egg and, you know, sometimes they kick the egg aside because they don't want the egg or whatever. Well, there were these two male penguins who didn't have kind of like a mate or whatever, and so they got together a discarded egg. And they were, you know, they were a, a partner. They were partners and they took care of this little egg and the little egg eventually hatched. And, you know, you have two dads and a baby. And it was the most, it was the number one most banned and challenged book of the year. And it. it wasn't, it was many years ago. It was probably oh, like, uh, yeah, like maybe, maybe around like 2009. But yeah. I, uh. I went to the library, the public library. I checked the book out because I was able to find that book in the children's section, right on one of those little low shelves that, you know, even a four-year-old could go and pull out. Checked it out, yeah. took it to my school, you know, to my class, because we were, we were in the middle of this unit anyways, and I read them yeah. the picture book. And, you know, we had great conversations about it. And I'm not pushing my, my opinions on the kids, because the, some of the kids were like, well, you know, I can see this and this is why it was banned. And, you know, and other kids are like, no. But the thing is, I think part of it comes down to teaching people how to be respectful of other people's opinions. Yeah. I thought being inclusive and kind of being respectful yeah. of, of people's family situations and yeah. of, of people in, in themselves. Yeah, like if you don't want to read it, fine. Like I had kids in my class who who didn't particularly like it, but I made sure that everyone was respectful of those opinions. And then you know, and, and I think that's that's where the issue comes. Like we we shouldn't be telling kids what they can and can't read, or adults what they can and can't read. We need to be respectful of people's opinions. But that's it comes down to parenting. It's the parents have a duty to make sure that their children are respectful and that they are all inclusive. Absolutely. 100%. And that they understand that not everyone has a mummy and a daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people are different. Some have two mums or two dads. Or, yeah. And that it's just, it's normal. It's not something that needs to be kind of frowned at or laughed at or like cringed. Exactly. It's just it is. And one of the most recent books that I just saw is actually written by a British author. Um, that we're banning, we're trying to ban over here is the queer Bible. I hadn't oh, heard no, of it. Right. And this it's Madison County in Mississippi. And I guess it is a collection. So um, Jack Guinness, who's a British author has kind of compiled a group of, of essays. So this book queer Bible is a collection of essays that um, kind of like trace the LGBTQ plus history. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah, so um, we have. That's trying to be banned. Yeah, 
So we have a county in Mississippi who's trying to like ban it, take it out of libraries and things like that. And so it's like, I just, I don't know when it ends. Like, like, every, like, and, and I just feel I like it's Mississippi tends to be your, your kind of issue. And also from Texas is another one that tends to like to ban books. It's kind of like our, like our South. We have a very, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I love the South. Like I've, I've kind of traveled all over the country over my years yeah. and, and I, I, I love the South, but I, but yeah, it does seem that like, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily say Tennessee is the South, but like that kind of Tennessee, Mississippi, that little line that goes down, yeah. um, our country, they, they tend to have very, very strong polarizing opinions on, on topics. Yeah. Um, they're not necessarily as, they're much more conservative versus, more liberal as like other parts of the country are. So, but all right, that was a tough topic. Let's move on to something fun. Liz, what's next? Let's do something a bit more fun. Yeah. Okay. So it is that time of year again. It is the awards um, season. So uh, we've been talking about this um, just before the show. Uh, obviously in America, we've got the Academy Awards, um, which is a, a massive deal for pretty much the whole world. Really. I mean, we still uh, kept up today and we still know about them. And then we have um, over here, over in Britain, we have the BAFTAs, um, which are still a very big achievement um, in this country. So obviously these are for films and for um, and for kind of adaptations and things. Um, but this year we have seen a big increase in the amount of nominations we've had for um, book adaptations, which is really good. Um, one of the biggest nominees for both awards um both academy awards and BAFTAs is June which um obviously this was the first film um of a six book series and they are working on a second film um so over in America for the academy awards they've got 10 nominations and over for the BAFTAs they've got 11 nominations so it's a massive deal um and then you have things like The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog, Drive My Car um Nightmare Alley, these are all based on books and these have all been recognised by both big film institutions um, as being really good and, and obviously good enough for nominations. So this, it's a really good sign of a sign of the times and sign that we are looking for more adaptations from books rather than just creating films from scratch. You know, what I find interesting is, you know, you also have, we also have like West Side Story and the Tragedy of Macbeth that came out this past year. Um which, you know, if you know anything about West Side Story, you know, the link to Romeo and Juliet, it's, you know, it's very, very similar in the structure. But then you also have Macbeth. So, you know, it also shows the the power of Shakespeare to this day and his influence. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Shakespeare's not going to Shakespeare's not going anywhere. I mean, it's the open thing. We pretty much proved that. They <laughs> think about not only the books that come out, but as you say, the films. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one of those writers that we are constantly going to see. Absolutely, um, it's due to his timeless stories. Really, they can relate to to any time today as well as back in back in his day. You know, and what's funny is the other changing of the day, and, and really seeing the influence is for the Academy Awards. The Power of the Dog um, is it leads leads all the movies in numbers of nominations. Um, it has twelve nominations, and it was a Netflix movie. And so I think we're really seeing a change 
um, and the influence that that are some of the streaming services have. Like Netflix has become oh, yeah. such a huge powerhouse in original movies. We're beginning to see it even more with Amazon Prime um, and Amazon Video. So really, we're really shifting. And I, and you know, I think we're seeing it even more now with like coming out of the pandemic because people, the movie theaters were closed, people couldn't go out. So then you had things like Disney Plus come out, and then Disney's releasing you know things and streaming it immediately on there um so i think it's it's really is showing a, a a change in in the times um and just just how yeah. go ahead yeah i think it's really interesting how um netflix has kind of almost come from nowhere and they started off with maybe just a few of like the the films already have that have been out for a while started streaming them then they started getting a few more newer ones and they suddenly started creating these films and with each one, they just seem to be getting better. They're getting bigger budgets, bigger stars. Um, and to get this far to the point where they're leading with obviously 12 nominations for Academy Awards and eight nominations for, for BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a, as you say, a sign of the times, a sign of where, um, where we're going with regards to the film industry. And I think it's brilliant that, that streaming is really taking off. Um, because. As you say, during the pandemic, nobody could go to cinema. Over here, most cinemas were closed for six to eight months. So it's good to have a different area where you can still watch films and who are competing with the likes of Fox or um, Paramount. So all of these big companies. Yeah. So... um the award shows don't happen until March, so I'll be excited to um, kind of come back and revisit this topic after the ceremonies so we can see exactly how our, our books line up to everything. Um, all right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick um, little break. When we come back, we are now joined by our our guest um, author. Uh, we've talked a little bit more than normal this morning, so we're a little behind, but that's okay. We're going to pull in... Um, Amanda Prouse, our, our guest for today, um, and make her join our conversation as, as far as what books, like what book we're currently reading, um, before we get into our interview segment. Um, so, um, we'll do what you're reading in one second. All right. Well, first, welcome, Amanda. Thank you for having me, darlings. Oh, of course. I'm like in heaven because I have two two people with amazing accents. So I'm like, I'm going to be in heaven for the next like 30, 40 minutes. I was just listening and I was thinking, your voice, Liz, is like treacle. It's beautiful. It's so, I mean, goodness me. Do you do anything else like audio books or have you ever done anything professionally with your voice? Um, I, I've. I'm in an amateur dramatics group, uh, but other than that, no, I haven't done anything kind of voiceover or anything. That does not surprise me, but honestly, you could you could so get into that. I mean, <laughs> I would happily listen to you on the radio for hours. It's just lovely. Do you know what it oh, is? It's your you. it's your you've got a very calm tone, and it's just very warm, and your pronunciation is perfect, and yeah, just <laughs> lovely. What a lovely voice. You're you're love, very lucky, gifted. Oh, thank Great. You. I feel very self-conscious now about my voice. You too, Polly. Polly, Polly, Polly. 
I love an American accent. I'm getting better at distinguishing where people are from because obviously when you when you hear American accents as a child, all you do is watch movies. Everyone sounds the same. So as you grow up, you think, what do you know? Someone from New York doesn't sound mm-hmm. like someone from Boston. It's mm-hmm. It is different. And it's weird because like I I was born in kind of northern United States and then I moved to the East Coast a little bit more southern. So I de- like I developed tremendous southern accent where um i mean like i had that twanginess to my voice and to my words (laughs) and and then i I moved then i moved to the west coast so i live i live now in arizona so kind of like the southwest and i lost i pretty much lost that southern accent obviously um but i remember i just want to be dolly parton (laughs) But you know what? It was it was so funny because I work in education. So when I moved out here, I was teaching a group of um, like thirteen year olds, and I had a very strong Southern accent. So my students would just be like, they just wanted to listen to me talk. And so, <laughs> and there are times I will say now there's still times where I'll get really going and um, like <laughs> get really excited about something and certain words, especially like I'll be like nine and five and. <laughs> I know, we're talking about Dolly Parton. (laughs) Exactly. It's like me, so I'm from London and I've I've pretty much, I'm from sort of East End of London, from quite a poor working class family and I had a really strong Cockney accent, which as I've moved around the UK has kind of toned right down, but put me in a London taxi and I go full pearly queen, literally. (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. All right, oh, hello. Oh my goodness. All, all, All that stuff, things I know nothing about. Uh, it is great to finally have a, another Brit on on the podcast because, yeah, we've had I mean, we've had a few guests on already, and they've all been American. So it's always been they've had talked about American things and like I've been here, the little lonely. Brit. Oh my gosh, <laughs> go on a hayride already, Liz. <laughs> the hayride and the, the corn maze. <laughs> Oh my oh, word! Yeah, okay, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on, on the show. Absolutely. Um, we should probably carry on with the, the, the schedule. And go, oh, do we, we have to do, do we have to work and record? <laughs> <laughs> the most socialising I've done in months, honestly. <laughs> but see, this is what makes the show enjoyable. All right. Absolutely. All right. So before we talk about what we're reading right now and, and, and our thoughts on on whatever. Really, at this point, we can just talk about whatever comes to your mind, whatever. Um, but uh, some interesting things on the New York Times bestseller list. So J.D. Robb, I've never read anything by him. Have you guys read anything by him? No. Yeah, I've, I've read, um, funnily enough, we, we were just talking about this before the, the podcast. Um, so the book that they've released, um, which is actually coming at number one, mm-hmm. uh, is part of a series called The In-Death Series. Um, which is actually a really good, a really good series of books. Um, kind of like a futuristic, uh, murder mystery crime. Um, really interesting. And this one, new one, Abandoned Death, has, uh, has it, it's gone straight into number one, hasn't it? Yeah, Literally it entered as number in, one. Massive achievement. And obviously it's knocked off, um, Colleen Hoover's It Ends With Us, which has been knocked down to number two. That's again, also an impressive achievement. So it shows it must be a very popular book. A very popular book series. Yeah, especially when you think about Colleen Hoover. Like, It Ends With Us has been on the list for, like, 35 weeks. And in the top 10 right now, It Ends With Us is one of three of her books that are in the top 10. 
crazy. Yeah, because she also has um, Verity and then Ugly Love is also in the top ten. So, crazy. Um, but February, the month of love, you know, it's so, you know, let's think about any of the, those romance books that are on the list. I have seen The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood all over, all over Instagram. Um, people it are everywhere you like. Yeah. And it's, it's actually been out for a while. It didn't come out like for the, you know, for Valentine's Day or anything. Um, it's currently at number seven and it's been on the, on the list for 13 weeks. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, a little over three months. See, Liz, you proud of me. I'm getting better with my, <laughs> you're getting that. You're getting my that. weeks and my days. So not 365 weeks in a year. That would be days. Um, 52 weeks in the year. Um, Amanda, math is not my strong suit. So Liz has been training me over the last several months. Me either. I'm embarrassed to say my math is so embarrassingly bad that I went to a school where we learned a lot of hymns and we spent a lot of time learning hymns in church. And my husband always says, that's when everyone else was doing sums, Mandy. So I might be able to sing, you know, oh, Jesus, I have promised, but I can't do long multiplication. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, priorities in life. Yeah, this all started with, um, I believe it was Midnight Library was on the charts for, wasn't it 70 weeks? And you said that was almost like 10 months <laughs> when it was like a year and a half. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a learning curve for me. And, you know, uh, what can I say? <laughs> I don't do math. All right. <laughs> so um, here, here's something interesting. We've, we, we've talked about this before, and it just came out as a Netflix um pretty sure it was Netflix. The One of Us is Lying just came out as, as a Netflix show. Um, it had been number one on the young adult hardcover book list on the New York Times bestseller list like for months. It has been on the list for 211 weeks. Again, don't do math, but I know that that's over four years that it has been on that the New York Times. Time. Yeah. But... Here's here, get ready. Shocking news. It has dropped to number two this week. <gasps> yeah. Even though it just come out on Netflix. That's a surprise. And it has been replaced by a book that I've kind of been seeing a lot of. It's been replaced by Anatomy, a Love Story by Dana Schultz. I've been hearing about this book. It sounds really good. Like so I think I've got to admit. Yeah, it it's has the most my, it's on my my to be bought list. <laughs> it has the most beautiful cover. Because like, because it, it looks does. like a heart, but it's a girl standing there with a red dress. Yeah, I, I love. I think the oh, the cover's gorgeous, 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 <laughs> gorgeous. All right, beautiful. Amanda, do you go by Amanda or Mandy? Depends if I'm in trouble or not, and what I've done. Okay, so you're not in trouble. <laughs> uh, in that case, Mandy away. Mandy, okay. All right, Mandy, tell us about uh, what you're reading. What are you reading right now, and what do you think about it? I'm currently bit left field but I discovered the other day there's lots of classics I thought you know what I'm really rusty on some of my classics and I tend to have different reading books in different places so obviously one in the car for when I'm stationary not when I'm driving (laughs) well that's good Uh, to know (laughs) Kindle in the handbag for anything that just you know takes my eye and then I have bedside reading and I've always been really reluctant to read classics because they're usually quite heavy and I tend to fall asleep with them in my hands and so it's a case of you know nearly breaking your nose when you nod off however I've just started to dive in to Frankenstein Ooh. by Mary Shelley oh my gosh 
beautiful. What a beautifully written. I've, I've always shied away from sort of that genre of movie. It's not really my thing. You know, gothic horror. I'm thinking I don't want to read. The, I don't want to see it. But to read it, what a beautifully written, adorable love story. Absolutely loving it. Getting completely lost in the language. So I know it sounds a bit highbrow, which I'm really not. You know, but this, at this moment, I'm revisiting my library. I'm going back and thinking <laughs> I need to better educate myself on all the books that I turn my nose up at as a teenager or a disgruntled, busy mum. Yeah. I'm going back and thinking, no, I need to get educated. And I'm loving it. <laughs> all right. So is that the in the car, in the handbag or the bedside? Bedside. Now I want to know what's in your handbag and what's in your car. Oh, my gosh. In my handbag. Let me think. I've got the latest book by John Mars. What's it called? He's going to kill me. He's a wonder. Have you, are you, have you read John Mars's books? He's a wonderful, wonderful right. thriller writer. I say thriller, but they're actually sort of human interest with a, with a thriller lobbed in. Um, one of his most successful books, I think, was probably called The One, which was made into a, into a Netflix series, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I've got his latest book, which I know, I can't remember the title of. I'll probably get mail saying how to <laughs> in this environment um it will come to me it will come to me probably at three in the morning i'll call you yes that's when everything comes to me when i get up to wander around to get a good drink or visit the bathroom that's when i think oh i just remembered i didn't take the lasagna out the freezer or all those important things that's when it will come to me and i will let you know so quite eclectic so i'm going to sort of modern day thriller back to mary shelley no connection whatsoever but um i don't really have a particular genre i read it's any good story so if someone says i loved it i think i'll try it you know i'm not averse to just trying anything because i just want to be i just want to escape i just want to be lost between pages i want to be transported somewhere very often if it's cold i want to be sent to a warm climate and vice versa but anything good i'll read i love it liz what are you reading right now i agree um, so I'm reading an arc. I'm reading so many arcs right now. I, I, I've signed up to too many book tours this month. Um, it is the second in the series. Uh, I've just finished reading the first one. And it's called Elador, The Elder's Legacy um, by an author called Angie DeLuzzi. Uh It's a fantasy, kind of fantasy romance, mm. um, more on the fantasy side. Um, but it's really good, really interesting. I, as I say, I've just literally finished the first one on uh, Thursday and then I started the second one. Um, in preparation for the the book tour um but it's really fascinating it's got some really good kind of character development and um some really interesting creation of creatures and um it's all about magic and um about kind of the the battle for power so kind of your typical fantasy novel but yeah it's really interesting never heard of this author before um but really good writer so i definitely would recommend it that's awesome how about you it's called The Vacation. <laughs> it just came to me. I told you. There we go. Well, thank goodness you didn't wait until 3 a.m. to tell us. Exactly. Well, it, it would be okay your, your time. That's like, true. 3 o'clock your o'clock time. I'm like, I'm still up going. <laughs> We're on afternoon tea and you're still eating your Cheerios. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, I... I you know, I did put on a normal shirt, but I do have my pajama pants and my slippers still on. We knew that, Holly. We knew that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. At least I'm comfortable. Um, I did, and, and I, I do apologize while we're talking about that, Mandy. Um, you know, that I was not able to get Keanu Reeves. He, he declined my... What are you talking about? I know. He declined... We got Keanu Reeves. He declined... He, he hasn't even responded to me yet. <laughs> Nice talking. Yeah, I know. Well, it was, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> Maybe he'll still pop on before we're done. Well, there's still hope. 
<laughs> never give up hope, Holly. That's right. I won't. I will never give up hope. Keanu Reeves will come to us. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm reading um, a book called Armada by Ernest Klein. So I'm sure you guys have heard of Ready Player One, Ready Player Two. That's the author. Um, so this book he actually released in 2015, and I'd never heard of it before. And then I was um, – someone I work with um, was talking about it, and I'm like, he has another book? And so <laughs> oops, I had no idea. It's actually really cool. Like, you know um, – some of the, like I typically don't read reviews or people's opinions about books before I read them because I don't really care. Um, but I did read something that um, people were like, "This is this is." I guess it was between Ready Player One and Ready Player Two that this particular book came out. Okay. So people were like, "Oh, it's 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 not Ready Player Two part or Ready Player One Part Two. and um, so I'm like. Why would it be? It's you know um, based on on what I knew the book was about. And it's, it's, it's not, it's nothing like Ready Player One. Uh, but it, it's really cool if you like kind of like, you know, it's still very much his tone where you kind of have like that main character who is narrating his, his life. Um, it's all from his point of view. It's in his conversational tone, um, through his interactions and his just telling and narration. Um, lots and lots and lots of 80s references. Um, video games, movies, but the whole context of the story is that all of our old, famous, beloved, like, Atari games, um, like, the, the last, like, The Last Starfighter, all, all those, like, fighting simulation games, and then the movies Star Wars, you know, Cocoon, you know, Contact, you know, all of those movies are all because the um the government like the like of the world like the world has created this like earth defense alliance and they've created these video games as training it's like real life training to prepare people to actually fly the real versions of these ships that they use in the little simulation games because there is potential alien invasion coming that we have word of so and then and then as you know but it's modern day so you know the kid is like you know playing these games and they're bringing in modern technology like you know the the vr video games where they're actually immersed into like the flying simulation video games they're playing online with their friends so they have a leaderboard and the earth league is using that leaderboard to identify the best pilots in the world so they can like kind of draft them and make them come fight and so it's uh very video game-esque like ready player one but we don't have like that oasis that virtual reality it is taking place now today um to fight off this alien invasion and it's 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 really good i i've really enjoyed it so far so love the sound of that love it yeah yeah that does sound really good so, yeah, and if and if have you got, and I know I know Liz, you have Mandy. Have you read the Ready Player yeah. One books? I have. I read the first, and um, it's not my usual genre, I must admit. And that sounds far more appealing to me. Maybe it's the '80s references. Maybe that's why I love it so much. But and I love the concept. That's just so different. I think that's fantastic. That's yeah. really appealing to me. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely really interesting, and and I'm just just over halfway done with it. And there, you know, it's not really the type of book where you'd get a lot of twists, but there yeah. we there was just a, a kind of a pretty big twist that just happened, and um and poor Zach's life. So he uh so it, it's been interesting to see him, and and you know what's interesting about Zach, the main character, is he also has an anger management problem, and you know he's a he's like. <laughs> 17 he's about 17 18 i think he's 18 uh, with an anger management issue he plays video games so it's it's relatable def- exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'll, that's certainly relatable i've got four people literally in the property right now would be like yup i think what's great about that is sometimes books don't need a big twist they just need to be immersive yeah yeah and sometimes exactly. a lighter book will have a twist and it's mm-hmm. like that's what you love about it that's mm-hmm. what you wait for you put it down and think oh that was good but sometimes a book is just so immersive um in the way yeah. that power of the dog was i felt you know it wasn't hugely undulating it was just complete i was immersed in it and i adored the language and i loved the loved the movie too so i oh, see i haven't read the book or watched the film but <gasps> i've heard a lot of good things about yes. it you both. And also, Benedict Cumberbatch, you can't beat him. He's such a fantastic actor. We actually, I, I, I go to Hay very often, and we were at the uh, GQ party in Hay, and I was sat next to Benedict Cumberbatch. I know, I know. No. And he was literally just the nicest, quietest, humblest guy, just really, really. And you're really upset cool. with me for not getting Keanu Reeves. Why didn't you bring him on? Got Benedict. I know. Wow. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's one of those parties you go and I always feel like I'm, I'm watching TV and I just sit there in awe. And everyone. <laughs> Sometimes people talk to me and think, oh, no, gosh, this is real. But I, I could tell you one funny story, getting off topic. No worries. Guys guy sat opposite me a couple of years ago, next to my husband. And um, I'd had a couple of uh, beers and I said, I, I know you from somewhere. Where did you go to school? So he said, oh, I went to school and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, I'm just, honestly, I, I know your face. I know you. And I'm looking at him and I would not let it drop. And you know that awful drunk auntie that just keeps making you want to get up and dance. And you're like, I don't want to dance. You're drunk. We're at a wedding. I'm still eating cake. Come and dance with me. I was a bit like that. And uh, eventually, after about half an hour of chatting to this guy, who was incredibly polite and very, very sweet, and me haranguing him saying, I do know you from somewhere, my agent walked past and went, Jude Law, Mandy. And I said, it's Jude Law. It's Jude. That's where you know him from. No. With him, it's Jude Law. <laughs> oh my god! You must be like the life of wow. a party. Like, oh my god, you're hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, I was so embarrassed. I'm still cringing about it. You know, you think about it, and you go, oh, and your cringe dial <laughs> gets turned oh up god. to ten, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know your face. I'm sure I do. Oh, maybe, yes. I just wouldn't let it drop. Everyone's looking at me because they know who he is. So they're all looking at me and going, just no. drop it. And I didn't get the memo. I know. Very embarrassing. Just blame the alcohol. The answer is don't drink beers to calm your nerves before a big party. Is that any party? Yeah. Good advice. <laughs> Very good advice. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. I, mean, so, I feel like we could just talk about all your celebrity stories the whole I time. I know. Like, I don't even want to talk about books anymore. <laughs> it's another world, honestly, and a world that's just mystifying to me. And I think, why am I here? And how did I get this invite? And what's going on? It's always very fascinating. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Well, speaking of books, um, what are, Liz, some of the upcoming book releases we've got? on our radars yeah, so, uh, we've got quite a few this month um we've had one that came out last week which as 
most of you will probably know by now because it's all over Instagram, um, House of Breath and Sky by Sarah J Mass, which is the second in the Crescent City series, has been released. Um, as I say, it is literally everywhere right now. It's very difficult to miss. Um, but other than that, you, on the 1st of March, we've got Gallant by B.E. Schwab. Uh, on the 3rd of March for the UK and 1st of March for America, uh, we've got The Atlas Six, which is by Olivia Blake. Um, and we've also got the next uh, book to uh, Lucy Foley's collection, which obviously she is the writer of The Guest List, um, another massive book that went around Bookstagram kind of last end of last year. Uh, that is coming out. It's already out in America, which <laughs> lucky you guys. Um, but for the UK, it's coming out on the 3rd of March. Um, and finally, as you might oh, you might remember from quite a few episodes ago, we had C.T. Ortega on the show, and he has yet another new book out. Um, he had his last book out literally about a month ago now, mm-hmm. um, but he is absolutely slamming it out the door. The next one is coming out on March the 1st, and this one is called The Assassin's Odyssey. And So those are the new and upcoming releases. And Caleb, if you're listening to this, my apologies, because I don't think I'm going to have it finished by March 1st. <laughs> Me too. I will try. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can. I will try. I'll try my best to have it finished. Um, I'm excited to read it um, because this this Assassin's Odyssey is not part of the Warfare of the Gods series. So this is one of his his kind of standalone standalone books. So, all right. So lots of good things um, coming up, um, being released. There's there's definitely never a drought of good books to read. That's for sure. All right. So we're going to take our last break. And then if we haven't teased the world enough with, with Mandy, we're going to get into our actual interview portion of our show, um, <laughs> which I am now like, so excited about because I can't wait to hear about all of her crazy stories. So I will take a quick break. All right. Are you ready, Mandy? (laughs) Don't ask me any sums. So the the whole, the whole like end of your interview is math problems. Yeah. Eight threes. Come on. Come on. If Jane has four apples and Michael takes one oh. and the bus is traveling at 30 miles an hour, how quickly did she get pissed off and run away? <laughs> Very quickly. Very quickly. All right. Mandy, will you just start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, I am 53. Uh, this is like that segment in Miss World where everyone says, I just love doing work for charity. I love children, and old people. I want to save the planet, stop war. I don't know what I have to say. I'm 53. I'm a mum. I'm an army wife, which most people don't know. My husband is a soldier and he's been uh, a soldier for 153 years, which is about as long as we've been married. Feels like it. Um, he sat next to me. I just ain't making laugh, although it is also true. I'm joking, but it's actually true. Um, my son is also a soldier, so I'm an army m- mommy mum as well. Mum to two boys who are both 24 and 25. Uh, Joshi is an author. Uh, and we have two stinky French bulldogs. I'm a Londoner who grew up, uh, on the Isle of Dogs in East London for people that, that know London. That's a dog snoring. Can you hear that? That is a dog snoring. <laughs> I, listen, when I say I'm on a farm, I mean we have dogs, there's chickens, there's goats, there's pigs. 
Literally, this is going to be like a farmyard episode. You will hear all sorts going on in the background. This isn't a sound effect apartment, people. This is my life. So I apologize in advance. So that was definitely a dog snore. You probably get a chicken cluck in a minute as well. Where were we about me? So yeah. So now I live on a farm. Not quite sure how that happened. But um, I love it. I love the peace and serenity that having space brings me. And uh, I don't think I'm ever going to be a city girl again, which is really nice because it was all too fast for me. Um, You know, being somewhere that's a slower pace is far better for my mental and physical health. Um, I was always an avid reader as a child, grew up in a house without any books. My mum and dad had me when they were very young. Um, I've got lots of brothers and they also fostered kids because it wasn't enough that we didn't have enough space. Let's bring more people in and put them in the rooms as well. Let's really, you know, let's really get it crowded. Hey, the, the um, big the big question is how many bathrooms, how many restrooms did you have in your house for all those people? One. We had one. Yeah. We didn't have any money. We weren't we weren't rich. And um but you know what? It's really funny. I think when you grow up, your normal is your normal, isn't it? And you don't realise if you're if you're poor. You don't realise if you don't have things because if you're happy, you're happy, and if you're not, you're not. And it's funny. I used to grow up and think, oh, if we had a spare bedroom, I'd be really happy. If I had a great car, I'd be really happy. If I was a size twelve, I'd be really happy. And then one day I realised that actually my happiness isn't dependent on stuff or room sizes or how much cash you've got. Actually, it was about being happy in myself and the people I surrounded myself with. And that was a huge revelation for me, but it didn't happen until I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. So I'm 54 now. So for the first sort of half of my life, I guess, I was striving for things I didn't have and feeling very inadequate because I didn't look a certain way, behave in a certain way, have certain things. Um, and I think that's really, you know, that's what I've learned about myself. And that, of course, goes with my writing, too. I didn't start writing until I was 42. So I've been writing for 10 years. Um, and I started writing because I wanted to write books I wanted to read. Wow. I guess that kind of that kind of leads on to, to one of the questions, which is what made you choose romance in the first place? What made you kind of want to go for the kind of contemporary romance um, genre? It's really interesting, Lucy. I don't think I write romance. It's it's interesting because I think I write about love and love in all its forms. Love that's unhealthy, love that's that's nourishing, love that's destructive, love that's giving, love that's brutal. Um, And very often my books have love at the heart of them. But that's not the core message in nearly every book I write. So, for example, um, my book Another Love, uh, which uh, won... um, I think that one, I can't remember it, won an award. Great. I was very, I was very grateful for it. If you're listening and you gave me that award and I can't remember the name of it, don't think I'm ungrateful. I'm not. I have that award in my loo and I'm proud of it. I just like the book title before, Menopausal Brain. I can't remember it. So please accept my apologies. However, um, so that's about a woman who's an alcoholic who has this amazing love story. She, she marries the guy she meets in college. She has a beautiful daughter. She has, you know, a spare bedroom. She has a great, you know, a, a great life. She's a smart academic. She's a scientist. And she loses everything because she has alcoholism. Um, and so really the book is a love story, but it's about what it's like to live with an alcoholic mother. It's about that destruction of that particular illness and what it does to families and how it takes a sledgehammer to everything that you have and she ends up with nothing. Um, my book, The Things I Know, again, a love story about a girl who is physically impaired, who falls in love with a man who has a mental impairment. But it's not about their love. It's about finding someone who gets you. 
you know, that's the message. Um, and this book that I've just, my most recent book, um, uh, To Love and Be Loved. I, actually, not all my titles have love in them, I should point out. Of the 28, maybe only three do, but I just happen to be stuck on those at the moment. Um, but To Love and Be Loved is about a girl who has her heart brutally broken um, and loses her romantic love. She's jilted. I'm not giving anything away. I think a lot of the reviews have, have mentioned that. But it's actually about what it's like to belong to a loving community and a loving family and find a place where you belong that enables you to heal. So that's really the message about that. So I would say you know, I, I love romance, but I love love more. Yeah. So more kind of almost like social observation, um, talking about, yeah, as I say, about life as well as love and how love affects us all in different ways and different situations. I must admit, I've read um, about three of your books, and yeah, each one, each one made me get emotional a lot further. <laughs> they are very, very moving. Um, I remember last time I read, I read uh, one of your Christmas ones at Christmas time, uh, Christmas for One, and that was just a absolutely beautiful novel. Um, really, really enjoyed it, and it was absolutely it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's always got a bit of kind of that heartwarming kind of underlying um, sense of hope about it. Always. And I think I, I, you know, I, I didn't meet my husband until much later in, in life. And I, I, I never had love. I didn't feel loved. I've certainly never loved myself until the last few years of my life. Um, and I think it's something that we particularly, I mean, I, I particularly feel in my, you know, I, I look at a lot of my peers, my friends, we're very bad at self-love about feeling worthy about all the things all the gifts that we have and recognizing them so I, I want to write about women like me who haven't got it all figured out you know they they are they might be single mums who are struggling they might be um you know in the poverty trap but they always have something some of some adversity that they're trying to to cope with and live with and I think it's really important to give that message of hope and say you know what it's okay you for example um I've written a book with my son uh, about his mental illness. He has severe depression. And the message of that book, the key thing to take away from his book, which is called The Boy Between, isn't about the fact that my son tried to take his own life. It's the fact that he lives a really good life with depression. So actually, the message of hope can always come out of that, that situation that might feel quite hopeless or desperate. There's always some good to be taken from it. And I think that's really important. I, uh, it's so emotional like you you're just like I, just listening to you talk is is just it's like inspirational it's like so motivating to hear how passionate you are about what you write and and the topics that you're that you're incorporating into there and such a personal touch with your son um I'm glad to hear that he he's doing well I know that you know um, that's mental health has become such a huge, huge focus lately. And, and, it, and, and it should be because for so long, there was such a stigma about mm-hmm. any type of mental illness. And, and even things like you talked about with alcoholism, like there's always been such a negative stigma that, you know, it, it makes it just puts it puts that added pressure on someone who is suffering from something that they can't do anything about. They need help, but because of how that stigma is placed on them, it makes it that much harder for them to open up to to get the help they need. Um, so I I applaud you for 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 approaching those topics and for bringing light to them and and putting that 
feeling of hope and love attached to it. Um, so with some of those topics, like how, how do you go about writing them? Like, how do you like immerse yourself in, in, in your, your writing to portray those, those topics, like the alcoholism? How do you portray those in a way that, um, you know, gets across the storyline that you're trying to develop at the same time, putting in that, that passion, that empathy that you so clearly have for those topics. I think um, that's a great question. I think, and also thank you for your kind words. That was, thank you, Holly. That, that really did mean a lot to me. Um, I think first of all, I recognize that I always thought mental illness, alcoholism, uh, overeating, poverty, that's what happens to other people. That's other people. You know, just like anything, you think, oh, well, that's what happens to them. Turns out we're all other people. Mm-hmm. Turns out we were certainly other people when it came up on our door. And I think that's the place I start from. I just talk about um, when I'm writing my stories, it's very much, you know, this is my life and I put, I become that character. So all of my books um, have a slightly different tone because they're very much written from the, 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 the viewpoint and the standpoint of the main character. And of course they're all slightly different. My characters, my female characters range in, range in age from, Peggy, um, who's three, to Molly, who's 94. So I have to put myself in the, in the mindset of that character and write as though it's her. I sort of channel her. Um, but I think also it's not trying to, not trying to specifically try and understand what it's like to live that life. It's just, I, that is my life. It's your life. It's all of our lives. And these things just happen. So for example, I write about uh, Poppy who, who has cancer. Um, and I know when I got diagnosed with cancer, it it can't be the thing that defines you. It just happens to be one branch from your tree. So she's just a regular mum. So I just write about a regular mum. And actually, she has this big cancer branch coming out. But you know what? We all do. And it's just one of those things. And something very weird happens to me. I don't know if I've, if I've, if I've mentioned this. Liz might know this already. But I don't ever plan what I'm going to write. I don't think about my next novel. My books arrive in my head fully formed beginning, middle, end, twist, turns, all the characters in about 30 seconds, one minute, like downloading a movie into my head. And I never know when it's going to happen. And it happens a lot. And I never make a note and I never draw a plan and I never write anything down. I just keep them in filing cabinets in my head. And so when I come to write them, I always, I always know what I'm going to do next. So I think, well, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll do that. I literally look above the screen and I look and I type as though I'm seeing it as a movie and I write what I'm seeing. So for example, if I asked you to write the lift scene from Dirty Dancing at the end, I mean, hello. <laughs> I think we could all paint a very beautiful yeah, word that, picture right? of that. Definitely. <laughs> but literally, you're seeing it and you write and his arms you know, look like this and she was wearing this dress and the people were staring at them and the music played and, he bit, and I write it as though I'm seeing it and that's exactly what I do with my stories. I don't ever change them, I don't adapt them and I never read them till I've finished and when i finished, I read them through and, and I literally, I, this makes me sound a bit nuts but I'll sit there and I'll laugh and I'll cry and I'll be like, oh this is so sad, oh that's brilliant, oh she's great, oh I don't like her. <laughs> As though I'm reading it for the first time. I know that's really weird, but it's literally like I'm channeling. It's just, it's an amazing thing. But I thought that happened to everybody. 
So I, the first time I discovered this didn't happen to everybody was a couple of years ago. I was on a BBC book club. Um, and we were being interviewed and there were some other great authors on this on this panel show. And I was talking and I said, you know, when your book comes in, when you get the whoosh and, and they looked at me and they said, what are you talking about? And I was absolutely <laughs> mortified. And I said, when oh, your story yeah. comes in your head and they went, Amanda, we don't know what. Literally, I thought it happened to everyone all the time because it had always happened to me since I was about five. And then I realized this is great. This doesn't happen to everyone. I can really make a living at this because <laughs> you can do it. it. <laughs> wow. You know, and it's so yeah. funny because like when I like that doesn't happen to me. If it did, I would be publishing books <laughs> just like you. Um, but what what I thought happened to everybody is when you read a book, you see the movie as you read. Like, yes, cool. I, I just assumed that everybody did that, that just, you know, you read and you picture everything. And that's why I think, the world. yeah, because yeah, I think that's sometimes exactly. why it's hard then to go see the movie after you've read the book, because in your mind, you know what the character should it's look like, you know what the world yeah. should. I thought everybody did. And I had a conversation with, with my husband, because my husband is, he's not a, a, a reader. Like he just, he, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know how that's possible, but I guess it is. <laughs> But part of why he feels that he is not a reader is because he doesn't picture anything when he reads. They're just words on a page and he just, wow. he just reads and doesn't, and he can't picture it. Um, yeah. Well, now I, you said something about your cancer diagnosis. Um, so I want to just, are you doing well? Are you? I'm great. It's, it's one of those things, you know, I've had it twice. Um, I've had, uh, bowel cancer and, uh, you know, other things, other places. And I just think it's one of those things, you know, pick one, heart or cancer. You can know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but also, it used to be when I was a child, it was an instant death sentence. When someone came to school and said, you know, this is in my family, we'd be like, oh, because we knew what it meant. It's not like that now. Uh-huh. It's not yeah. like that now. And it, that's that's glorious because it touches all our lives. And, we, uh-huh. you know, there's no need for me to say why it's the worst thing that ever happens. We all know why it's the worst thing. But actually, for me, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened because I thought, do you know what? This is my one time around the block. What do I really want to do? I really want to write a book. Um, I've always thought I could. I've always wanted to. Every book I read, I either thought, oh, I wish I'd written that or uh-huh. I can do better than that. And I thought, right, OK, so, you know, this, these are big <laughs> words. Can you actually do it? So I wrote my first book. So it kind of spurred me. It, it, it focused me in a way like nothing else had before and made me reset which a lot of people have been doing, you know, during the pandemic anyway. They've been reassessing their lives, their situations, their careers. So it was kind of fairly concentrated for me. So I always say it was the best and worst thing that ever happened. Just like anything else, it doesn't define me. Uh It happened. It'll get me in the end. When? Tomorrow or 30 years, just like all of us. Uh We don't know. That's why every day is fantastic. And that's why I know that spare bedrooms and fancy cars don't matter. You are like, you, you are my hero right now. I like, I just, I love your approach on life and, um, and I get it. Um, last year, just over a year ago, my husband was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, and very much kind of like what you said when, like, when you were a kid and you hear someone, you know, like one, you know, it's the same thing. Like when I, every time I've ever heard like leukemia, leukemia, it's like, I feel like it's always been a, an immediate death sentence. And, um, 
because it's, it, you know, it's, it's a blood cancer and it's like, what can you do? It's like, it's in your blood, it's in your whole body. And, um, <clears throat> but, you know, at the same time, like, our, you know, I, I can't even say how amazed I am at our technology in our world, our medical advances that we have in our society, um, <clears throat> just, you know, everything that we have and the ability to do things, to catch things early, um, you know, and it's like my, like, you know, you're, you seem to be doing well. Like my husband, he's, he's doing fantastic. He's so close to hitting the, the numbers in his blood, um, to hit remission. Like, you know, he's doing so great. And, you know, and it is, you're right. It, it touches everybody in, in some way. And it goes back to the, you know, what you said at the very beginning of our, of our conversation, um, as far as like things happen to other people, like it's, you know, you never, you never think about you, you never think that it's going to happen to you or to your, you know, your spouse or your children or, you know, whatever. And then it does, it, it does. We be- are other people. We yeah. are other people. That's that, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's it. And it's, Definitely. and it's kind of those moments that either pull the rug out from underneath you. All those moments that lift you sky high with gratitude, that's what shapes you in life. It isn't anything else. And that is just life is a journey with pockets of pure joy. And sometimes you're, you know, trawling through the darkest depths of a swamp, hoping you can get to the other side without losing a flip flop. That's all life is. And so when you get those pockets of joy, you have to absolutely grab them and make the most of them. Um, and I think that's really what I try to do in my books. I try to immerse people in an, in an experience, in a story that's going to let them escape, but also make them feel love because it's everything. Wow. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, as you say, I think when something hard hits you, when something, a big event rocks your, your world, your life, it's either you give up or you adapt. So you either accept and don't do anything or you think okay well this is happening but I'm what am I gonna I'm gonna do this about it I'm going to like I'm going to completely look at my life differently or I'm going to do this or that so I think what I really like about your books as well is that it is very much about watching the characters evolve and adapt um with some of the storylines and seeing them grow as they accept that this bad life this tough life that they're in right now they don't have to be in they don't have to stay where they are there is a better life there is a way to be happy which doesn't involve this awful kind of event going on because it doesn't last forever nothing does that's the thing isn't it everything passes and i think once you can sort of you know wrap your head around that that everything's temporary then and all we have is right now so all I have right now is interacting with you two. There is nothing else in this second. That's it. This is my whole life right now. And so I want to make the, the absolute most of it. You know, I want you to feel valued. I want to, I want to, you know, leech from your joy. I want to learn from you. And, and I try to do that with every single interaction I have because that is literally, that's all we have. So talking about now, what is going on on in the world of Mandy at the moment, are you currently writing? Or? I'm always writing, Liz. I'm always <laughs> a year ahead. So I know. So I've literally just finished my my a novel that comes out in I think it's February or January twenty. What year is it now? 
<laughs> you really are bad at math. <laughs> 22. 22. Fantastic. 22. Thank you. If it wasn't for bin day, I'd never know what day of the week it was. Since I stopped writing checks, I don't know what year it is. Oh, that's true. So this one comes out beginning of 2023, I think, and it's called uh, Picking Up the Pieces, which is a secret. So just don't tell anyone that. Um, but it's a wonderful We story. won't tell anyone. Don't worry. No one listens to our show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a wonderful story about a woman called Leonora who really has a very disturbed childhood. She's unloved, and it's about her marriage is falling apart, and she it's all these things that happen to her, and she absolutely has to really learn to swim and not sink, and I adore her. But more importantly and more excitingly, here's an exclusive, um, coming out in, I think it's June or July this year. I'm looking to my husband for confirmation. I have a memoir coming out, my memoir, which is called Women Like Us, which essentially is my story, um, what it's like to grow up in quite a poor household, to never feel like you were quite enough to dream night after night of all the things I thought I was capable of, but I had no idea how to get out the blocks. I just had no idea how they did it. How do these people do it? These women who have a great job, a a loving relationship, you know, 2.4 kids and a shiny bathroom. How do they do it? Why can't I do it? What's wrong with me? And it's how I figured out to do it, how I learned from all the women who raised me, my great grandparents, my great aunts. Um, who ranged from being hyper, uh, stay-at-home hypochondriacs to my great-great-aunt, who was a toilet cleaner in a, in a tube station in London. All these women who I thought hadn't achieved anything, turns out they achieved a lot because they were survivors. And I have their metal running through my blood. And I love everything about my, my upbringing, my childhood. Everything I've learned is just tipped onto the page. Issues with my weight, uh, my weight fluctuated enormously. I was overeating, emotional eating, addicted to food, obsessed with food to the point where my weight got to 22 stone. I don't know what that is in pounds uh, a lot. Um, I've managed to lose about five of those. I'm still on my weight journey, always will be. But here's the thing. I'm now not striving for skinny because I know that also is not Nirvana. Uh-huh. It's about happiness within me, which I've discovered. Um, and there is no, you know, it's not a magic potion. There's no wonderful wand waving moment where I say, if you do this exercise, read this book and jump on a trampet, you too can be happy. It's not about that. It's about finding happiness within me. And it's about literally acceptance and life lessons where you learn to, you know, distill your life down into what is important. Is it having a size 24 inch waist or is it actually just sitting on a bench having a cup of tea with someone you love? I don't need you to guess which is the correct answer. But, you know, it's it's really it's a, it's a great book. I love it. It's about how I got published against all the odds, because everyone told me when I wrote a book that everyone wants to write a book. You know, everyone thinks they can do that, Mandy. Of course they do. What makes you any different? I was like, I don't know, but I just feel like I can and I should. And I didn't st- see all the hundreds of obstacles that were in my way that meant I shouldn't have got a book published. Um, and within 10 years, I've sold, you know, over 8 million books in 22 countries in dozens of languages all over the world because I always thought I could. I didn't believe people when they said that can't happen for you because you're not quite good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not thin enough. You're not sporty enough. You're not educated enough. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let those things stand in my way. I'm going to get a great big drill and I'm going to ram it through all those boulders and I'm going to keep running. And I did. And, and I want to just, if I can do it, anyone can do it because I'm just an ordinary wife and mum. 
you know, and, and, and that's the message that you can do it. You can do anything. It's just about changing your mindset and knowing what to hold on to and what to let go of. What a powerful testament. Like, honestly, like that's, you know, I think so many and, you know, so many of us have, we hold ourselves back. Like we, we let self doubt just drive every decision we make and it holds us back from really accomplishing, you know, what we really want out of life and what we really are capable of doing. And it's like we, we're our, our own worst enemies all the time. And, and, you know, and, you know, even though we're like, yeah, I have perseverance, I have grit, I have tenacity, I can do this. You know, it, it's, it's still that, like that little voice in the back of your head. That's like, but you very know. often, Holly, it isn't a little voice. It's a big voice with a megaphone. That's true. It's your worst detractor that's screaming your interior monologue. You know, why do you think you can do that, Mandy? Why do you th- everyone wants to do that? Why do you think you're, in, you're, you're special? You're not. You know, you can't do it. You can't do it. And it's, I had to switch it off. And I had to teach myself to switch it off. Otherwise, I'd still be cleaning offices at night, which is what I did, emptying sticky bins and, you know, never having enough, enough cash, enough time, enough of anything. And it was rubbish. It was a rubbish way to live. So I learned to turn it off. So the book's very much about that. And it's women like us. It's called that for a reason, because it is it's it's all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm yet to meet a, a woman and her not say, oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, I've got this sussed. And. And I think it's really important. And the great thing about the book is it's full of photographs, photographs from when I was a baby to the present day. And they're not filtered and they're not. It's also a very strong anti-Botox, anti-cosmetic surgery, anti-all that kind of stuff. It's saying aging is a privilege. Grow old gratefully. Love your face. Love your skin. Love your body. It's a huge message of positivity, um, which I really hope will resonate. I can't I wait. You need to do I some can't. public speaking events. I think you would be like the perfect kind of inspirational speaker at, at events. Well, I think you should go on the radio. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are we going to together? <laughs> That's fine. I'll just sit in the back and I'll take pictures and record you guys. I'll be the I'll be the host. I'll be the I'll be the MC for the evening. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, definitely looking forward to, to that to that book coming out <laughs> if you need any arc readers you also have two very dedicated arc readers <laughs> right here mm-hmm. i would love that thank you I would, I would just i would just love you to read it anyway don't worry about you know oh, don't worry about shouting about you. it i just love you to read it oh just, you know, i want to read it and i want to shout it. about it because yeah, i just exactly. i'm so inspired and just and just motivated and you know and 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 you know and, and i just i can relate so much to a lot of your things like i grew up poor i grew up with a single mom who you know we just didn't have anything. We move. We had to move all the time because this place ended up becoming too expensive. So we had to find someplace cheaper and um, changing schools all the time, having to make new friends. Like, you know, never. Are you, you know, my sister? I think you are. <laughs> I think you actually are. I might be. You know, and and it's and it's it's so hard. And it's just like you know. Um, you know, I would think about like, you know, I'd see my friends going on family vacations and going to summer camps every summer. And, and I never got to do that. Like, you know, I got to go spend a week with my grandmother because she lived an hour away and we could drive there. But now, like, I'm in my 40s and now I'm able to like look back and I'm like those, those, <laughs> those summers, those weeks I spent with my grandparents, like, that 
they were the most meaningful weeks. Like, you know, um, and I'm, I'm very lucky. Like my grandmother is, she's, she's 90 years old right now. Like she's, she's still here. You know, she's now, you know, unfortunately she's suffering from dementia and she's, you know, I don't know how much longer we have with her, but you know, I will always hold those memories. And, you know, my grandfather died of cancer when I was in high school. So those weeks I had, I treasure because I don't have any of those other memories with my grandpa. And, you know, because my mom was a single parent, you know, I, I was, you know, when I was growing up, I would always talk with my grandfather about how he was going to be the one to walk me down the aisle when I got married and all of these things. And it's just, you know, I can just resonate. And I, I am my, my biggest enemy. Like, you know, I'm the same thing. I like, I've always wanted to, to, to publish a book. I've been writing books and stories since I was 12. Um, and they're sitting in spiral notebooks in the bottom of a drawer. And, you know, it's like, I haven't done anything with them. I have like, you get your, your, your book ideas. They just pop into your head. I dream of mine. So like, I'll wake up with like a, like this, this, this dream that has been like a movie and then like the clarity of it is just, amazing and I'm like oh that would be such a great book and but I'm always like you know I I'm still trying to parent teenagers and trying to keep them on the straight and narrow and you know I'm you know I'm, I'm married and you know I'm still trying to help my husband make sure he you know beats this leukemia and and I work in education and I don't know how education the education system is in England but in the United States it's not the best we're really struggling right now with the education system and you know we're it, it's it's there's just a lot of work that needs to happen so it's a super overwhelming long stressful job and I'm just like so I make excuses that's what this boils down to I it make is, excuses Holly, there is never there's never the good day for you to do it never and, and you can wait for the perfect time and, and you'll wait forever. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important lesson that, you, that there's never a perfect time. You know, I, I, I said for years, oh, I'm going to lose weight when or I'll be happy when Josh will be fine when, you know, Simeon will be safe when. And I put these forward, these forward sort of dates in my head um, that it will all be OK when that's happened. It'll all be OK. when, And that it doesn't ever arrive. Tomorrow never, ever comes. It's today. It's now. And and holding yourself back is something that it's a very personal journey. And I would never say to someone, you should do this and you should do that. But it's almost like you need to give yourself permission, mm-hmm. permission to succeed, permission to thrive. And it's really interesting hearing you talk about your childhood. I used to think my childhood, I, I think it was quite, everything was quite unfair. It's not fair. Why can't we go abroad? Why don't we have a flash car? Why aren't I at five foot six? You know, why doesn't that boy like me? It's not fair. And then I realized that actually, what would it? So now I've got to 53. What would I like to change? What part of my life do I want to chop out? Different parents, different schools, different family, different brothers, different children. Of course not. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change one single thing. I love what I've got. I love what I've been given. And I love how I've managed to squeeze every drop out of the lemon that is my life. And I'm perfectly happy to sit in that fruit bowl and decay along with all the other lemons without feeling I need to be the shiniest apple in the pack. And I'm happy and I'm satisfied and I'm content. And contentment is something that can't be bought. It can't be, it can't be, uh, it almost can't be, you can't strive for it. You just have to learn where you're going to feel the most content. And that's what you need to, to work towards. But I think give, you know, women need to give themselves permission 
to succeed, to feel happy, to put themselves at the top of the long, long list, that all the things that falls by the wayside because you can't do that yet because you've got to do X, Y and Z. We need to learn to put ourselves at the top of that list because this is our one life. It's our one life. I don't, I, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> like I literally, Mandy, I could sit here and I could talk to you all day. Like I am just, I, I love you. Like you're like, one of, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And I love Liz. Me too. Like, I think, like, oh, oh, now get Keanu, get him on. Get I know. Him. Right. I'm like, Keanu, look at what you're missing. <laughs> Call you a good Keanu if you get Benedict on. Yes. <laughs> yes. You let me know. You call me at 3 a.m. when you got him to agree call to be me. on our show, and then call I'll me. work on okay. Keanu. <laughs> no, talking of Benedict, I was actually thinking the way that you were talking about how you come up with your ideas, it sounds like the Mind Palace. I don't know if you've watched Sherlock and his Mind Palace. It's, do you know what? It's, you're not the first person that said that to me, Liz. It's really weird because I, I, I've done it from a small child, and I, 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 I have a room in my head that has dark green filing cabinets in it this is all in the book as well and anything good bad any trauma you know anything any ideas memories all go in different files and I've just always done it I have a phenomenal memory so I was really great at school I was really good at passing exams I'm not smart in any way but I could remember the textbook so I could literally sit in an exam and and regurgitate what I'd read and I'd get a great grade didn't understand it Still don't know what an oxbow lake is. Still can't direct you along the Nile de- Delta. And I certainly can't do sums. But because I was able to remember things, it's like, oh, she's smart. I've never been smart. But I've been getting away with it because I can remember things. How nuts is that? Um, which is, you know, I, I just think it's, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's, 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 it, I find it curious how I've always done it. And I've, and when I meet authors and they say, well, I've written a plan and I've written a book and I've done this. And I think, God, that sounds so complicated. I just couldn't do that. I literally, if I couldn't just open a drawer and it'd be there, that would, I I know I just couldn't do it. So it's weird and interesting the way your mind works. Yeah. Someone else said that to me too, Liz. (laughs) So, um, obviously talking about kind of your writing, things like that. If you could collaborate with any other author, it could be living or dead. Who would it be? (gasps) Thomas Hardy. Ooh. I love him. I love him so much. Um, his poetry, uh, his books too. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of my favourite Thomas Hardy book. I don't have one. Don't make me do that. It'd be like, oh, which would you prefer? Oh. Ben. I prefer Ben. I prefer Ben today. Ben. Okay, it's Ben. Because I've just seen Josh's room. It's definitely Ben. Um, but no, I, I love I love the way he writes. I love the way he works. And, and reading Thomas Hardy's uh, classics like Tess and Under the Greenwood Tree, Jude the Obscure and all the others was the first time that I understood I was smart enough to understand a classic book. Because up until that point, I'd always shied away from anything that was literary, thinking, well, I wouldn't get it. And I'm too dumb for that. And that wouldn't be good for me because, I, you know, I wouldn't enjoy it. But, oh, my goodness, he takes me to a, a completely other world. And then I discovered his poetry, which is on another level. Um, so definitely Thomas Hardy, probably more recent times, people like Maeve Binchy, whose work I adore. Okay. I adore Maeve yeah. Binchy books. Um, and who else? Would be? Oh, Colleen McCulloch, of course, who wrote the best book ever written in the history of the world ever, ever, ever. The Thornbirds. Oh. Have you read The Thornbirds? I read it a I long time ago. Liz, I haven't read it. Liz, did she just Liz, <laughs> read it? Read it, and I want your book report by the end of the week, the end of April, because I know you're busy. 
The Thornbirds is, for me, the greatest living novel. It is everything. And I read it when I was 14, at a time when you're very open to influence, aren't you? And it was unrequited love, and it was lust, and it was unsanitized, and it was sex, and it was duplicity, and it was Machiavellian. And I absolutely adored it. And I didn't just read a story. She took me to the plains of Australia, and she made me feel. Um, so I would just, oh, yeah, Colleen McCulloch. So many people. I'm adding it to my list. Capitalize it, underline it. I wrote it on my list. I'm going to do a reread of it. Liz, let's do a buddy read. I'm adding it to my book list. (laughs) We'll we'll all do a three-way buddy read. It's beautiful. It's dated, but it's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. dated in a great way because it's kind of, it's very much of its time, but just the story, the description, I love it. Oh my goodness. All right. There's so many other questions I would love to ask, but I do want people to listen to our interview. So if we end up with like a three hour show, people <laughs> might not finish it. Might it. Put <laughs> and I want them to hear what you've had to say, because I think every single word that has come out of your mouth um, over the last hour, I think will resonate with, with anybody, anybody and everybody, whether they're book lovers or not. I think just your approach to life and how you perceive obstacles and challenges and just everything about your perspective on life, I think is is a testament to how we all should be viewing life and how we, we all can make ourselves better and, you know, and get out of our own heads and, you know, love life and love each other and support each other. And there's so much hate in our world and judgment. And it's just, it's just, it's destroying, it's destroying our society. And if we just all had a little bit of what you talk about, our world would be such a better place just in general. Um, So um, like, I like, I don't know, like when, when we're done and we're off this, I think I'm still going to need probably about another 30 to 45 minutes just to, <laughs> just to kind of process we everything. We should just do this weekly. Yes. We should just get together weekly. And just, <laughs> let's just, this is therapy. I mean, you know, I'm loving this so much. Not only is it great, it's gone dark. I mean, obviously listeners can't see this, but since I've been sitting here, it's gone from day yeah. to, I'm sitting here in the dark. I, you can't see me. It's nighttime, but I'm just sitting here <laughs> chatting. This is wonderful. If someone could just bring me a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'd be good for another hour. and it's right. funny and because like all of a sudden you went for you. you just went dark and i'm like you can't get the stuff that's all i'm saying you know <laughs> he's a great soldier but he's a rubbish pa oh bless you oh <laughs> you got your tea <laughs> that's love right there see never get roses i might have got a walk for valentine's day but at least he knows to make me a cup of tea yes a walk do not adjust your listening <laughs> First Valentine's Day, I got roses and perfume. 153 years later, I got a walk. There are no words. Talk about love. Here's your walk. Thank you. (laughs) He's got you now, so it's like, I don't have to try anymore. Exactly. (laughs) It's what what I tease my husband about, too. I'm like, what, now that we've been married for so long, like, it's over? (laughs) I know. Once we'd had sex, that was it. There's nothing I could ride in with, you know. So, yeah, should have done that on the first date. Oh, no, someone turned the lights on for you, too. There's lights. <laughs> All right, well, the, so I'm super excited. So we always end our show with a, with a 10-question speed round of this or that. So 
you don't get to explain your answers and you have to pick one or the other. Okay? Let's do it. Keanu. Okay, so this one's a bit of a kind of a love romance position because it's obviously you're on the show and it's February, so Valentine's month. Uh, so let's start. Um, oh, hang on. What, what order do you want us to go in? That's what I was about to say. Oh, perfect. Um, Sorry. To go, Mandy, you, me. Okay, so Mandy, you go first. So, okay. Oh, right. What do I have to do? I have to ask you a oh. question. No, we, we have the, we have them. Um, we're gonna we're gonna read out the questions. Um, it's gonna oh, be an either or, and you just pick one of them. Got it. <laughs> okay. Right. Flowers or chocolate? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. <laughs> um, pure romance or romance hybrid genre? Hybrid genre. Hybrid genre. Hybrid genre. Hybrid genre. Friends to lovers or enemies to lovers? Friends to lovers. I'm going enemies to lovers. Yeah. Passion. Passion. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Um, Instant love or slow burn? Slow burn. Slow burn. Yeah, great. Slow burn. Happy ending or tragedy? Happy. (laughs) Happy, of course. Duh. I don't know why I did that one yet. <laughs> um, romance series or standalone? Standalone. Standalone. Sweet or sexy? Sexy. <laughs> that was my sexy voice. Yeah, I don't know how far you're going to get with that sexy voice. Uh, <laughs> you might need to rethink that before we get Keanu on here. Um, we should try again and do it in a sexy voice. Hang on. Sexy. There you go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go sweet. Really? I'm surprised about that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well okay. See, here's the thing. I know the next. Okay. I know what they all are. So the reason I'm picking sweet is because I know what the next question is. Yeah, so I'm cheating. Sweet. Sorry. I know, I'm cheating, I'm sorry. Um, romantic or steamy? Hey, what was your answer? I said sexy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, you're sexy. All right. So what's this one? <laughs> romantic or steamy? Romantic. And see, I want sweet and steamy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in a book, steamy. Uh, fancy night out or cuddly night in? Cuddly night in. Cuddly night in. Yeah, cuddling my zen. And finally, opposites attract or two peas in a pod? We are two peas in a pod. And for me, my husband and I, we are opposites attract. I say two peas in a pod. That's awesome. So that is it for this or that. Oh, my goodness. Um, and great job. And now we all know um, that Mandy's going to be practicing her sexy voice for a while here. And um, Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good luck with that. Um, so, Mandy, can you just tell everyone, like, where they can find you on social media, on the Internet? How can they keep up with you? People can always find you, can't they, if they want to find you? <laughs> you know, everyone knows what to do. Books from wherever you get your books. My name is Amanda Prowse. People can always find you. It's always that kind of, you know, I don't want to say, okay, oh, you can find me at blah, blah, blah. Just, you know what, Amanda Prowse, if you, you can find me. I'm everywhere. <laughs> social media, books, wherever you get your books from, the big A, the usual. <laughs> 
Oh, well, gosh. Now when Liz and I give our stuff, we're going to be like, <laughs> just I find us, it. people. You can find Mandy on Instagram on Mrs. Amanda Pass. <laughs> there we go. Tanya, I'm rubbish at doing all the pluggy stuff. I'm not very good at it. I'm sorry, but just... <laughs> I had to say that. I always, it would make us sound silly. I know. Yes. At Amanda, at Mrs. Amanda Prouse is on her Instagram. Follow her. Look for her books that are coming out this year, um, especially her memoir and all of the books that she already has out and that we've talked about. Liz, where can we find you? So I'm on Instagram, Lizzie's Little Book Nook. Um, and also my website is uh, Lizzie's Little Book Nook.co.uk. And Holly, how about you? So I am on Instagram at AZ Desert Bookworm. And then I have my website is just tinyurl.com slash desert bookshelf. Um, so you can find us all there. Um, obviously, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you you follow definitely Amanda um, and just keep up with her because I know I am. I'm like, you know. <laughs> super motivated now and inspired i'm gonna have the best day i'm getting ready to go to the bookstore with my 13 year old daughter and i may just have to buy all of amanda's books that i haven't read um yet so um my husband will not be happy with my spending today so um but with that said i hope that everyone has a wonderful next several weeks we will be back with our next episode um on march 14th, I think, is the Monday that it drops. Sorry. I told you, I'm not good. 365 days in a year, 52 weeks. I have to tell myself this over and over and over again. So same thing with dates. But hey, at least I knew it was 2022. Right, definitely, yeah, 14th of March. <laughs> 14th of March. Um, Mandy, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on our, on our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You know what? I've absolutely loved it. Sometimes when you do a podcast, it can feel a little bit choresome. But my goodness, I think we have put the world to rights. I could have spoken to both of you for, I think, the next four or five hours at least. I have loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone. Bye.